microphone check 212. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to It's the Bearded Man podcast with your favorite, the world's favorite bearded man, Bob Bay, September 14th, 6.44 p.m. We cooking up on this lovely Monday morning. How y'all doing? What's going on? Episode 27 in the books. We out ya. Let's go. Wow. Feels good. I had somebody actually DM me today and they responded to an Instagram story for episode 26 that rolled out today uh, with my man Reese Hopper. And this person said, Yo, man, I just blinked an eye and all of a sudden you have, you know, 26 plus episodes out. Like, I need to catch up on some of this. And uh, I kind of laughed at it. I was like, Yeah, that's actually really dope. We're actually starting to bring this podcast into fruition. Uh, I mean, yeah, 26 episodes is not a lot in the grand scheme of things when you compare it to somebody like Joe Rogan, who's 1500 plus in the game, but it's starting to come to life and it feels fantastic. Definitely. When I started the podcast, it was just as a solo, as I talked about before, it was really just me creating a platform to share my voice. And it's been great to now get some guests pumping in here to really start to balance out, you know, two pods a week, one's with a guest, one's solo dolo, which you boy, which I know y'all love the most. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, but it feels good. We're starting to finally bring this thing to life and got some guests lined up. Got just recorded a great podcast yesterday, Sunday in downtown LA. If you're watching my Instagram story, you would know with who, which means I'm gonna plug myself up at Bob A B O three B's four A's and a Y. You better be following me on IG, because that's where I'm posting little snippets of uh, some of the content that we have coming up. So yeah, super excited. Episode twenty seven today. Let's clap it up. One small one at a time. We're building this podcast from the ground up. Let's go. Uh, but today, like I said, episode twenty-seven. Excuse me, episode twenty-six dropped today with my man Reese Hopper, who incredible guy. I had literally started the intro of his podcast. One of the most genuine, gentle, and great-hearted people that I've met in LA. Um, Reese has just been. He's just a very positive dude. There's something about him that anytime you're in a room with him, he there's just nothing bad to say about this guy. And uh, I met him through Jeremiah Davis. Um, most people know him on Instagram as at that one blonde kid. And I met him through Jeremiah as these two went, as both of them went to college together. And then after college, they started getting into this whole content world. And Jeremiah as like a lead creator and director. Um, Reese has been able to help grow with him and has it's pretty much his go-to content producer where he helps manage and uh, execute some of these incredible projects that they're working on behind the scenes. So it was awesome. It was great to reconnect with him. He was somebody I had on purpose in the youth uh, back in 2018. So it seems like a lot of these podcasts with guests are bringing back old guests that I had talked to one, two, some will probably be three years ago. But it's a great, it's a great platform. And uh, yeah, I was just super excited to have Reese on the podcast. I think overall the quality of it was great. Touched on a lot of great things. And uh, I hope people are enjoying it as much as I am as creating it. And if you're not, it's okay because I got more content coming. So, you know, if you don't like that one, you might like the next one. And if you don't like the next one, you might like the one after that. So I would just say sit tight, put on your seatbelt, enjoy the ride with me, see where this thing takes me and see the incredible guests that we get along the way. One episode at a time, we're growing this thing to the tippity top, baby. Let's go. As of right now, 57 days with no booze. Let me say that one more time. 57. That's five and then a seven. You put them together, you got 57. That's right. 57 days with no booze. We're going for the 100. The 100 club. The 100. 
which will be at the end of October. We're going for it. We're already more than halfway there. I'm already committed. I'm already locked in. There is no option B. I had somebody say, yo, man, I hope you make it to 100. No, no, no. It's not hope. Hope doesn't sound too confident. Hope doesn't sound reassuring. Hope doesn't sound like, yo, he's going to do it. It's kind of like, eh, he's on the fence. Don't really know if he's going to make it. Oh, no, we're going. We're going full throttle to 100. And we're popping a bottle of champagne at that 100 mark. So believe me, we're getting there. But um, as I've said, I feel great. <laughs> There's literally, I don't even know how to explain it. Uh, other than I feel great, feel mentally clear. I I was, I actually went to a... Uh, a little gathering in Malibu this weekend, you know, social distancing the whole nine. And uh, I got back and my, my buddy Dylan, he kind of, he's like, yeah, did you, you know, and he put up like the, the shaka, but as in like, you know, drink booze. I said, absolutely not, brother. I was crushing Red Bulls, catching vibes. And I did not touch any booze and uh, proud of myself. So, you know, 57, keep it going. Uh, quick little update, as I'm sure none of you probably are really like, Sitting at the edge of your seat going, what's going on? I uh, started doing that newsletter, The Beard of Wisdom, and I was pushing it as weekly and then realized that I was just like pumping through the week and I kind of wanted to add a little bit more balance into my life once again. Always constantly reassessing, ladies and gentlemen, constantly reassessing what we're doing. So I think with just the podcast itself with doing with doing two pods a week, there's plenty of work, keeps me busy enough. And uh, I will just say from this moment moving forward, it's just going to be a newsletter when you get it. I might go off the radar for a bit. And similar with blogs, I kind of was head, I was going like six or seven weeks straight where it was like a newsletter every week, a blog every week, a podcast every week with a guest, a podcast every week solo. And uh, it's good. But, you know, I, I just know that if I get head down on this rhythm that when this inevitably changes um, or I start like using my weekday time to like go out and, you know, do things. I'm, I'm going to like be mad at myself for actually not delivering it if I get too consistent with it, which this sounds weird. I'm like, dude, you're such a weirdo, bro. You're such a, you're so obsessed with like productivity and getting shit done. Like it's weird how obsessed I am about it, but I just like continuously growing. I like pushing, you know, pushing things forward every day, little inch by inch, inch by inch. And, uh, you know, that's just how we grow everything, everything that I'm doing content related and everything I wear, I want to be. Step by step, we got to do it. Um, but yeah, overall, feel great. I'm feeling great, feeling great, feeling great, feeling great. I just love doing these podcasts. I'm just getting so hyped with where this direction's going. And even the last couple of guests that I've had, they're just pumped with how the experience has been, which ultimately is my biggest thing. Is like I want people to have a great experience, especially as a guest. And I want the listeners to enjoy it too. But most importantly, I want the guests to enjoy their experience. And this past, this guest that I had yesterday, enjoyed it he was, he was pumped he's like yo when is this shit dropping i was like not for two weeks he's like come on bro push that shit out right now i said no all great things take time we gotta we gotta grow it slow cool that's enough housekeeping thank you for sticking with me through it all today's subject big 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 subject big topic of discussion what does it take to build a billion dollar company now before you start pointing fingers at me saying Bobby, bearded man, what the hell do you know about building a billion dollar business? You ain't got no billion dollar business. Well, let me just say this. I'm a work in progress, or as I like to call a WIP of the bearded man brand, okay? You can't, you can't see me on the audio, but you can hear me. And believe me, we're turning this beard into a billion dollar beard. So give me some time. But 
although I have not personally built a billion dollar brand, I have been very fortunate over the last 10 months, almost 11, it'll be actually one year next month in October, end of October, I have been on a very incredible bus ride with a handful of talented individuals Liquid IV, if you didn't guess it, if you didn't know. I work for a company called Liquid IV. Did you Did you know that? I'm sure you do, because I talk about it all the time. Um, so two weeks ago from today, September 1st, Liquid IV announces they're getting acquired by Unilever. Um, I don't know if you guys and gals know who Unilever is, but it is a British-Dutch consumer goods company, massive, worldwide. They own Axe, you know, stuff that men's spray, you know, like Axe. Come on. Everybody knows Axe. I use that in sixth grade. I thought that was deodorant. was not deodorant. Like the actual spray. I don't know what I was thinking, but I thought that was deodorant. Uh, Breyers, B-R-E-Y-E-R-S. That's like a, yo- I think that's a yogurt company and they have ice creams and they're just massive. You can go to any, I guarantee you, wherever you live in the world, well, U.S. for sure, but probably outside of the U.S. too, uh, you can find their products. They also own Dove. They own Hellman's, which is, I believe is like the mayonnaise company, which is huge. They own Lipton. They own Magnum. They own one of my favorites of all time, Ben and Jerry's. If you've been following me on Instagram, you know I like to call the Ben and Jerry's pint the one-sitters. Now you might, might ask why. Why do you call it a one-sitter, Bobby? Because if you buy a pint, you got to eat it in one sitting. There's no, there's no eh, scoop a couple bites here, put it back in the freezer, scoop a couple bites there, put it back. No, the pints are one-sitters. You must consume at one moment. That's it. It's what you got to do. But I've been incredibly lucky, fortunate to sit in the backseat of this bus, do my part, and see what it truly takes to build a billion-dollar business. I know most of the people that listen to this podcast are very growth mindset, entrepreneurial, creative interests. Most people, if you're hearing this, you have an interest in going against the grain. You want to do the things that seem impossible and are not necessarily the common path that a lot of your peers probably are taking, unless you you are somebody that has surrounded yourself with people that are taking the unorthodox in life where it's not really a set blueprint of how you go from point A to point B. You kind of have to figure it out as you go. You have to write the script of your own storyline as you go. But I think most people that listen to this podcast are very entrepreneurial mindset, growth mindset. You just want to reach your highest potential and you want to do things that are so much bigger than yourselves, which I love. That's that's literally me. Um, I have looked into some of the stats. That's one thing I've been doing more with this podcast than I never did with Purpose and Youth. I'm really trying to like appreciate the analytics, not get, not get, let the numbers get to my head of like, oh, we're not growing in numbers or, you know, not letting it really steer where I go with this podcast, but just to really see the growth week over week, like how to grow this thing, what's working, what's not, why do we see a huge spike in plays? Like really from an analytical standpoint, trying to understand, we have a lot of mail. Majority of this of you listening are male. So that's, it's just it. We have a bunch of males for the very few females that are out there. Thank you. We appreciate you. I wish this was split down the middle 50-50, half male, half female. That would be lovely, but it's majority male skewing. With all that being said and explaining who Unilever is for those who don't know who they are, 
I think it's extremely, what I've been able to see, I know is valuable. And it's a priceless experience that I could have never, I couldn't have written a better opportunity than this, taking this job of Liquid IV. The first job I've technically ever had ends up getting acquired by Unilever. Liquid IV is a billion dollar brand. So let me just say this. This podcast is not about going into like what happens behind the scenes of Liquid IV. I'm not here to tell you anything that I'm not supposed to be saying. I'm here to give you guys and gals a high level bird's eye view of what I have seen in 10 months of what it takes to build a billion dollar brand. Mind you, Liquid IV was founded in 2012, 2013. There's seven, seven, yeah, pretty much seven years of work that happened that I was not a part of. I was not there to see it. I joined in at the right time. And what an incredible 10 months to see this moment. And it's not like, oh, 10, 10 months and now it's like, oh, we all part ways. There's a whole nother chapter, which is really extremely interesting because when I used to hear a company gets acquired, I thought it was just one thing. It's just like, oh, they got bought out. See you later. Even... I mean, I kind of, well, let me just say this. During business school, I think I started to recognize and understand that's not what happens. But even then, I wasn't really taking courses that was focused on getting acquired. I was taking marketing, creative classes. It had nothing to do with actually like investment banking, financials, anything like that. And so in real time, I'm seeing also like what it means to get acquired and how there's so many different levels where some people can get bought out and they have an exit and they leave. Sometimes companies get bought, they literally, sh- they clear house, they get rid of all of empl- all employees, they restructure like, you know, wh- what the internal goals are and they bring in all new hires and then they like train them to follow certain guidelines or you could say guiding principles. So I- I'm-, I'm seeing in real time one, when you get acquired, how different that, how that just case by case it, it, it can mean a million different things. And then two, just ultimately what I wanted to dive into today is some of these characteristics of what I'm seeing or what I've seen that it is what it takes to build that billion dollar brand. I don't know what your aspirations are. I don't know what your goals are. I truthfully, I think it takes a very certain individual leader, CEO, and it just takes a certain type of person to really want to build a billion dollar brand. If you write that down and you look at it in a piece of paper, that's a one zero 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 comma zero 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 comma zero zero zero. That's nine zeros on a piece of paper. If you have the chance and you have a moment right now, I want you to really literally write down one comma nine zeros and look at how massive that number is. I'm a very I'm very much an optimistic optimistic person. I think you most probably would all know that by now. Do I think we all have it inside us to do that? If we really put our mind to it and we like stay disciplined and we follow some of the things that I might talk about today, I think it's possible. I really do believe that we can accomplish any goal that we set our mind to. We have to be realistic. You know, if I wanted to join the NBA tomorrow, shit's not going to (laughs) happen. No way is the bearded man getting the NBA. It's just not happened. There's certain things I have to be realistic about. We need to be realistic about. There's other things where you kind of have to dream big and you have to really stick to your true north of what you believe you want to do. And you have to ignore haters and people that even 
try to get you to not do something. So we're going to dive into these characteristics. As always, I don't have all the answers. These aren't the only characteristics of a billion dollar brand. This is just from what I've seen in the last 11 months. You can take it, take it for what it is. You can call me and say, Bobby, you don't know what you're talking about. Hey, if I don't know what I'm talking about, start your own podcast there, bucko. All right. So, and I, I hope you guys are laughing because I'm just such a cornball. I am such a cornball and I'm so authentically just in my, I'm just, I am who I am. I'm the bearded man, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, cool. Let's get serious. Let's, let's really dive into this. Five characteristics of a billion dollar brand. Here we go. Number one, product and service that fills a need in the market. That's the most important thing. Whether it is a product or service, this billion dollar brand, if that's what you're trying to build or somebody's trying to build, you have to bring something to the market that people need. You need to fill a gap in the market. It's important. Like you had to, I mean, that's the first step, right? Um, and it's not it's not always about reinventing the wheel. It's not it's not thinking something from scratch. Like when you think about Uber, that wasn't necessarily reinventing the wheel, but it just had never been done before. Ordering a taxi to your doorstep with your phone has just never been done before. We had called up taxi services before and they would come pick us up. It it just it took out the middle person maybe could you could argue the person that you're actually calling the you know the taxi service person who's on the phone line booking all the taxi drivers and it went right to your phone so a lot of times i think we're not necessarily reinventing the wheel we're just finding gaps in the market that there's a potential need and that's that's the first that's the first step in it so for example from once again, I was not part of the company in 2012 for Liquid IV, but essentially from what I know, Brandon Cohen, the founder and CEO, he was working for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He saw a bunch of professional athletes drinking Pedialyte, which is a hydration brand, hydration type style company product that's made for kids, I think mostly. I mean, I've taken it when I was hungover in college. I think that's what most people know it as. And so he sees professional athletes taking it. And then there's, you know, from what I know, there's a light bulb moment. Well, why aren't they drinking something that's, you know, more beneficial for them? Gatorade has a lot of sugar, but this Pedialyte is made for kids. Boom, liquid IV is born. He goes down the rabbit hole, builds out the science. This, the rest is history, as they say. So he saw a gap in the market and then he went all in on that. Now, fast forward, you know, over, I just saw this on a website tonight, over 200 million plus sticks sold worldwide. 200 million. So it went from an idea to over 200 million of these products of liquid IV sticks sold around the world. That is unbelievable. So that's the first thing. We have to, now to get to that 200 million for Brandon and the liquid IV team, it all stems back to that light bulb moment of seeing an open gap in the market. And I think just from that light bulb moment to then actually following through and getting just the product itself produced takes so much belief in yourself and ambition and relentlessness because 
immediately you think, oh, there's something that's like, there's a potential open gap in the market. But then you immediately start having this voice in your head telling you, you're the, the devil inside you, or as I like to call uh, pessimistic Pete, you start thinking about um, how much work it's going to take to do this. Oh, it can't be possible. How, how nobody? How, how has anybody not ever thought of this? All these things are chiming in your head, but you have to block that out. And if you feel passionate about what you see in the market, that's where you have to go. You have to see the gap and go for it. A quick and easy example for me was when I started Purpose in the Youth Podcast, how I got into podcasting, how you're even listening to my voice right now. I was looking for a podcast focused on young, passionate people. I surveyed the market, couldn't find it, was already thinking about starting my own podcast. And then the light bulb moment happened of, well, if I can't find the podcast I'm looking for and I want to start a podcast, why don't I just create it? And that's what I did. And I built the thing that I saw a gap in the market and it got me to where I am today. So first characteristic of a billion dollar brand, product and service that fills a need in the market. Easy, needs to be done. Doesn't have to reinvent the wheel, but you got to find something. There's a gap where it hasn't been done before or you have to find a way that you're going to bring it to the next level. The next thing, and there's no true order to all this, so don't just take it all with a grain of salt. Um, next characteristic would be a mission bigger than making money. I think this has been extremely important in the e-commerce world now more than anything. People want to spend their money and know that some portion of their money is going to something bigger than bigger than themselves and it's actually helping the world. So not only are they paying for a product and service that they want and desire, but they also feel good knowing that not only are they getting the product they want and desire, but they also know that some of their money is actually helping to something bigger, like a bigger cause, just something. It could be, and I'll give some examples in a second, but people want to know that not only does this product and company make them feel good, there's an emotional connection, they also want to know that that money is going to something bigger. So, example, Liquid IV, change the world, CTW. That is literally the heart and soul of Liquid IV. And this all started back, I don't know what year it was when Brandon and the team made that first donation to, I think it was a food shelter in downtown LA. At the time, they donated 306 a product, which is product i mean you're still something is better than nothing right and i bet at that time when they donated those 300 sticks that was a lot that was a lot to give away now we're at the point where we've donated over 5 million servings worldwide that that 300 doesn't even it doesn't even feel like a penny in the bucket because we just donated so much when you scale it but at the time that was a step in the direction of where it would take the company Donating 300 sticks to a food shelter in LA. Once again, I hope I'm right about all these facts. I could be wrong. Um, but I believe it was 300 sticks to a, a food shelter in, in LA. And then time of continuously doing that, it then goes from 300 to 1,000, then 10,000 per time. And then now we're just, you know, we have pallets. Literally, they get shipped around the world, which is just unbelievably mind-boggling. Um, but yeah, I just, I think that People want to know their money's doing something bigger. Two other great examples of companies that have done this before, Tom's, Tom's Shoes, one for one. 
for every time you pair you buy a pair of Tom shoes that gets donated a pair of those same shoes gets donated to somebody around the world how cool is that you know when you're wearing, when your shoes arrive at the door and you put those babies on that is somewhere else in the world putting getting put on somebody else who can't afford those shoes but needs them so i think it even not only are you does it feel good to know that your money is going to something bigger i think it also feels good knowing that every time you put on those shoes you know that you put your money towards something that really is bigger than you and that is helping somebody else out there. So I think Tom's it was probably one of the first companies that I started to really see that. I'm not saying they were the first company to do it, but I remember a long time ago, maybe like sometime in high school when 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 Tom's was really popping back in like, for me, it was, I don't know, 2010, 2011, when I think I started seeing people, a lot of people wearing in my high school. And I just remember like the concept was like, man, that I don't think I had at the time ever heard of any other company doing something similar. And then another great example, I believe Warby Parker, which is a glass company, eyeglass company, they do something very similar where it's buy a pair, give a pair, um, which is awesome. So, you know, every pair that I believe is bought, they donate to probably somebody that's in need. So similar with Liquid IV, st- we donate X percentage. That's not something that I'm involved in, but you know, over 5 million six donated. That's a hefty amount of product. So I think people really do appreciate that. I think people not only appreciate like liquid IV and the product itself and the hydration and the energy and the sleep and how it actually helps them in their day-to-day lives. But I think it feels good knowing that while they're consuming something that's helping them throughout their day, I think they know it's helping something that's bigger than them, the CTW. It's I'm telling you, it is literally like the core of the culture um, change the world. It's just part of Liquid IV. And I think it's just been a, a true north thing. Thing. I don't mean thing. It's been a true north mission for the company. And it's helped guide decision making, especially in the last six, seven months, given COVID and everything that's been happening. So secondly, I think in order to build that billion dollar brand, there's got to be a mission bigger than making money. Yes, you can have the you can see a product, you can build a product or have a service that fills a need in the market, but I think there also needs to be a component that it's it's more than just making money. It's there's some give back, there's some way that it's helping do greater good. And maybe maybe it's not giving back or donating, maybe it's just making sure that the supplier for the company of the product that's made everything's checked off and there's no you know, youth labor, child labor. Um, I, there's there's just plenty of ways that companies can do their role on helping the world. And so I think that's important. Number three, before we get into that, I got to have a sip of water. You guys and gals know how this goes. Solo, dolo, BLB. I need the water. I'll tell you right now. If I could invest stock in water, I would. And that probably sounds stupid because, hey, Bob, water's free. It's outside. Hey, I know, but it tastes so good. Moving on. Number three, company culture. Company culture that cares about one another. Okay? I'm not just saying, yeah, you know, billion-dollar brand, one of the characteristics, you got to have company culture. Eh, that boring cool yeah we all need company culture but i when i say this i truly mean it you need a company culture that actually cares about one another and i can say i've felt that energy from day one with liquid iv 
So the great Gary Vaynerchuk, if you guys are familiar with him, he always says, hire slow, fire fast. And I never understood that in the beginning. When he first started saying that, I'm like, I don't get this shit. Why, why would you hire slow, fire fast? It doesn't make sense to me. Hire slow in the sense, take your time with taking people on to the team. You would, I, you would rather take the time really, you know, even if it takes you an extra two, three months to find a person for that, you know, perfect position, specific position, excuse me, you'd rather take the time now and make sure that when that person gets there, that's the right person. Because if you're hiring too fast and you're not taking the time to really feel out, is this company, is this person the right fit for the company? You're going to end up maybe losing them or having to fire them. And then in that same process, again, finding somebody new, bring them in, not the right fit. Cause you're just continuously hiring fast. You're not taking the time to feel them out. And then it's actually, it just doesn't work for either per, the company or the person that's being hired because neither or are, are just, they're just bouncing around. And so every person at liquid IV really, and you know, it's been tough with COVID, but I feel like everybody there, if it's like, meant to be there in a weird way like they really take the time to find the right people and that's not to say that's not to say um that's not to say that nobody that not everybody is is that not everybody deserves a chance to work for liquid iv it's just sometimes it doesn't fit and it could be what your goals are what skill sets you bring to the table what your interests are there could just be certain things that it just doesn't make sense to bring you onboarded, you know? Um, and now, mind you, I'm not in the hiring process. Once again, this is just the bearded man, bird's eye view from what I've seen. That's what this is. This is what I think Liquid Ivy does a really good job at with is hiring the right people. And they're very thoughtful. Once again, I think I'm not in the one hiring. But they're very thoughtful about who they do bring in. And when they present that full-time offer, they're very confident in this individual. And it's not, oh, we got to hope they take it because we don't have anybody else. It's like they've probably, I, I don't even know what the percentages of offers and acceptance, but I would bet it's probably high because they just do a really good job of making sure that everything checks off and the person seems like the right fit, vice versa. And so by the time that offer gets extended, I think most times they probably take it. And then even after the, the you you they get the you know you sign up and you are you sign up you make it through that process and they and you become an employee for Liquid IV. What I've heard from other employees that are, have been recent hires, once again, it doesn't help because Bob was a freaking Uber driver before this, so I didn't really ever have a true job before this. But I've been through my I've yeah actually there's nothing I can say I was gonna say I've been through interviews, but that's not that's beside the point. Um, what I have felt from day one when I went through what we call the onboarding process and from what I've heard from the people that have recently joined is they love it. They The, the onboarding process is really important where literally like the first three days of you at the company, you're probably not even doing your actual job or like even getting involved in it. You're just simply having meetings with team members on the team to just get face-to-face connection to just talk to each other and learn about one another. And I think that's really important because it can be overwhelming when somebody new is coming into a company and you don't know anybody and you're just like thrown in and you have to start working. 
Liquidity's done a great job where it's like, welcome to the team, but before you even get started, we all wanna get to know you. And that way, by the time you even start working, I think it helps people because they're not afraid to ask questions because they've started to get face-to-face connection with people. So I think the onboarding process through Liquidity has absolutely been incredible. I think they do an, an excellent job uh, of how they do it. And other than that, once you actually become the employee of Liquid IV, everything is, now this is all prior to COVID. It's been really interesting doing this whole COVID uh, remote because it's been harder to actually have that company culture. But I will say before we all went remote, I mean, the company takes time, resources, money, energy to make people feel loved. Um, and whether that was a biweekly meditation that we would have where we had a, a, a meditation person or uh, an instructor, meditation instructor come in and actually do a guided meditation. Also had biweekly like 15 minute massages, which, whew, man, that puts your boy in place. I was feeling some type of way after doing those those little 15 minute massages, man, whew, feeling real good. Uh, there was a couple of times we had happy hours. We had a Christmas party, which your boy got turned up responsibly. Um, but awesome. Just like there's all these, 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 these moments and times where the company goes out of the way to make sure that the, the employees feel welcomed um, or welcomed and not welcomed. What are you talking about, Bob? Mind you, this is the end of the day. So you got to remember, I'm a little cooked in my mind because I've been working all day. Um, but they, they make you feel appreciated. That's what I meant. And I remember even right before COVID hit, we had there was like an, uh, a surprise um, employee appreciation day. I don't know, I don't remember if it was a nationwide holiday or if it was just a surprise day. But for like two hours, we dipped out of the office, went to a local park, tossed around some frisbees, played some games, had some lunch. It was uh, it was pretty cool. Um, but ultimately, I think the company culture helps people be really comfortable with the people they're working with which I think then just helps people do their job even better because you're friendly with everyone. You're very authentically you. You're not afraid to speak up. And what I think is a really, uh, was a really uh, weird but amazing moment for me, not weird in the sense of like I was weirded out, but like uh, long story short, back in February, I kind of had like a, a breakdown one time. I've had breakdowns before. I mean, come on, we all have them. Uh, some 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 macho guys out there don't want to talk about it, but your boy, the beard man, always loves to talk that talk. Anyway, long story short, I pretty much had a breakdown in February. Posted a video on Instagram, just like explaining what was going through my mind, and I was bawling my eyes out. And uh, I just remember that weekend, and when I got back to work that following Tuesday, because it was like a Monday holiday, I just had a bunch of people reach out and say, like, you know, they're here to support me if there's anything they can do, and uh, it meant a lot. Because I think we sometimes forget that our job is our job. And hopefully we all find that career that we're super passionate about. But at the end of the day, we're all humans, right? So like when we leave that office or we shut our laptop for the day because we're all remote, we're human beings. We have emotions. We have things that are happening outside of our lives, whether we realize it or not for other people. We don't know what people are going through. It's really hard that something I've really learned is that you could see somebody smiling, but sometimes there could be something underneath them that really is bothering them and they're just afraid to speak up. So I just think it's really important if you want to build something so big, a billion dollar brand, you really got to have a company, a company culture that 
people care about one another. They feel welcomed. They feel okay to be who they are. They feel authentically themselves. And I think it ultimately just helps work. I think people are willing to speak up more and to share their opinions more. And I think you just ultimately get better quality work out of every individual because they feel appreciated for the job and company they work for. Vice versa, the company appreciates them. I think it's a win-win for everybody. Number three, excuse me, that was number three. Number four, team guiding principles. So the company culture is important. That's like the structure of how people feel about one another and the environment they're in. But then when it comes to actually working, I think it's really important that there's some type of guiding principles that kind of give people structure, not structure, but like guidelines, almost like a playbook. That's what it is. It's a playbook to follow when faced with decision making. And I think it just helps people operate within their own individual jobs. So I won't get into all of them, but at Liquid IV, we have 13 principles. And I will give you five of them that I think really are important and that I've really appreciated. And I think, yeah, I just think these are really important. So five of Liquid IV's guiding principles would be, first one I'll give you is accountability. And I have these pulled up. Accountability. Our team, our team members take ownership for everything they touch rather than waiting for others to finish the job. Every person on a project is 100% responsible for that project's successful completion accountability is key. Great example for me right now is this role that I have as the podcast specialist, right? I report to our e-com director. He pretty much oversees everything that I do. He knows pretty much what I'm doing, but at the end of the day, I'm the only one that's in it on a day-to-day basis of the the podcast stuff. So if I slack off or I'm not getting things done, it's going to be very obvious why things aren't getting done because I'm the only one. You know, I think there's in a bigger scale in corporate America, it's, it could be maybe easier for people to fly under the radar because there's massive teams and maybe there's just so many people touching projects that it's hard to pick up on like who's actually not doing their work or whatever. But I think the accountability is something that's really important because when you're trying to build that billion dollar business, everybody's got to be doing their fair share of work. If you're not, if somebody's not, it's just not helping the bigger picture. It's not helping grow and execute whatever that vision might be. So I think accountability is absolutely key. Second one of guiding principles I think is really important that I that I really love is rocks. Filling your day is like trying to fill a cup with rocks and sand. If you put the rocks in first and then the sand, the sand efficiently fills the cup to the top. That's why we call our priorities our rocks. We get the important stuff done before we deal with the small stuff. So as an example, I have a weekly meeting with my e-com director, a weekly every Monday with just my rocks for the week. And I bullet point, what are my big tasks that I need to get done this week? Inevitably, my emails might get blown up with a couple emails that I didn't expect or other things might happen along the way. But as long as I know what my rocks are for the week, there could be a to-do list of 10 things that I need to get done And I continuously am reassessing what are my rocks and it allows me to reprioritize what needs to get done in this very moment. I'm sure we can all think of times when we get super anxious, super worked up. There's a million things we need to get done. We don't know where to start. Having these rocks has helped me figure out what needs to get done and when and just knowing and being okay with 
There's always going to be more work that needs to be get done, and I'm okay with that. As long as I made some progress on the day, I'll get back to that to-do list on the next day. So I think the rocks is really important because not only the accountability aspect I was just talking about, but the rocks helps us get things done in a timely manner, and we it helps us prioritize what needs to get done and when. Uh, next would be bluff. Principles bluff. Uh, bottom line up front, we value communication in every meeting, project, or task. A clear objective is key for clarity of purpose. So just getting straight to the point, whether it's in an email or whether it's like sending an agenda to a meeting, what is the point of this? In one line, super straight to the point, no big words, no like trying to sound smart, bluff. Bottom line up front. Sometimes we send out emails and the last thing, there's a paragraph, there's paragraphs in this email, but what we really need to do is take that last ending question and put it up front so people know what they're clicking into. I think that's really, really important if you're trying to build a billion dollar brand. Um, Fourth one would be test to scale. Love this one. Not everything is scalable. We identify which of our processes can be scaled and start small, planning and mastering the formula before we expand at the largest level. We always push ourselves to think bigger. I love that. Liquid IV is really great at allowing its employees to bring ideas to the table, test it at a small scale, see what works, what doesn't work. Once you find the formula, once you find something's working, go big with it. And it's a genius thing and it's great to allow employees to do that because it's giving employees the ability to bring ideas to the table, to execute on them and to reassess, did this work, did it not work? And then if it does work, keep going with it. So I think that's huge, test to scale. And then the last one is the problem is the portal. Oftentimes, um, I think this one's all about perspective, but I'll, I'll read it first. The problem is the portal. Rather than being judged on the problem, a team member is assessed on their reaction to the problem. We are building a culture in which it is okay to make mistakes and unacceptable not to learn from them. Oftentimes, our biggest challenges become the opportunity for our biggest triumphs. So instead of looking at a challenge as like, oh, like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm screwed. I'm in trouble. What can we learn from it? How can we use this problem as a portal to getting us through to the next big chapter? Um, I think a great example with Liquid IV was when COVID first hit, that was a massive problem. How can the company get through this? We can donate sticks. We can help people out there on the front line who are trying to you know, help this world change and, and fix this issue that this pandemic that we've been dealing with. And so I think that was a great example of the company stepping up and actually following through with the problem is the portal principle. So high level, essentially, I just think it's really important for these bill. If you're trying to build that billion dollar brand, you got to set guidelines and you got to set structure. You have to kind of give employees and your team playbooks to live by. So everybody's on the same page. Everybody follows these set of rules. And I think it helps keep everybody on the same page. Ultimately, it's the same. It's a playbook. You know what I mean? Like there's no team. There's no professional sports team that wins not having a playbook. They need a playbook to all be on the same page. And I think that's extremely, extremely important. Last characteristic of a billion dollar brand, very important. I think these all balance and are all equally important, but this is really important. Leadership that leads by example. Um, I can tell you right now, Liquid IV leadership, they're not just sitting 
at their desk, pointing their finger, telling, you go do this, you go do that, you go do this, you go do that. They balance a lot. There's a lot of pressure on their shoulders being at a high level from what I've seen. And they they lead by example. What they they preach, what they practice, or is that how does it go? Preach what you practice? I don't know. I've, I'm cooked. Um, practice what you preach. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm tapped out. Um, but yeah, uh, the high-level executives do not just sit there with their feet up and kick it. They're, the, the level of what they're operating and the decision-making they have to make is unbelievable. Um, I can't even imagine just to kind of, like I said, be in the backseat and be on the bus to see this thing, this rocket ship grow has been absolutely incredible. Uh, but man, they just, they operate at a different level. They're actively thinking 10 steps ahead than where we are today. You know, when this whole Unilever announcement came, it's crazy to me um, because that's a process that for sure was happening behind the scenes of the company for probably close to a year. And that's when you, when you're trying to build something so big, you're constantly thinking ahead of time. You're not like, let's create a new flavor and let's roll it out next week. These executives and top level people are planning this out months, possibly even years in advance. And so to have that patience and that big picture vision and to break it down into small steps on the day-to-day grind is just phenomenal. It's it's really just another level of uh, execution that I've, I have never personally been a part of until joining the company. So to see that at scale has just been incredible. And kind of similar to what I was saying earlier about a company that encourages its employees to bring ideas to the table and test them and then you know take them to scale. The leadership from the top down really encourages growth and welcomes ideas. I know that if I reach out to anybody on the team and I have a question about something, they're there to answer it. Or if I need more clarification, they're they're there. They welcome ideas and they they encourage the growth. And ultimately, these leaders are absolutely meticulous. That was the word that came to my mind when I was when I was thinking this through. And I Googled meticulous. And the definition of meticulous is showing great attention to detail, very careful and precise. Showing great attention to detail, very careful and precise. That's what it is to be absolutely meticulous. And that is absolutely what is necessary for any leadership in a billion-dollar brand. Everything has to be accounted for. Every detail has to matters. It matters on the on, you know from the ground up, the foundation to the top executives. It's it's extremely important. Um, and I think the leadership does a great job of this by doing monthly all staffs that we do, where we everybody gets an update on where the business is at, and we all get pretty much it's like a refresh button of this is where we are, this is where we need to be by the end of the month, by the end of the quarter. This is where we're going for next year. Everybody feels like they're part of something bigger than themselves. Even though I might not touch certain areas of the business, I get to hear about what's happening. And so it, it allows me to see like how my role is actually playing a part to a bigger picture, which I think is really awesome. So I think these monthly all staffs that even though we don't do them in person like we did before, we now do them in Zoom, extremely important. And I think it just keeps everyone connected and understanding like where where we are. And the last thing I would just say is extreme passion. It's very clear and very probably obvious, but 
the leadership team needs to see it needs to have passion you can see it and feel it in people that are not passionate and not in liquid iv specifically but in general i think we can tell when somebody's not passionate about what they do um which you want everybody to be passionate and i could say honestly that everybody that i that i have communication with at liquid iv is passionate about their whatever they touch whatever their role is and so i think that ultimately once again helps build that billion dollar brand so to, to highlight it all five characteristics of building that billion dollar brand one product and service that fills a need in the market has to happen two a mission bigger than making money yes we all want to make some loot we all want to make money put that in our pocket but the mission's got to be bigger than making money. There's got to be some give back component that I think is really helpful. I think people like knowing their money's going to something bigger than them and it's it's helping people. Thirdly, company culture that actually cares about one another, really important. I think that ultimately helps people do better work within the company because they feel more comfortable to be doing the work. Four would be team guiding principles, gives people a playbook to follow so that when they are up against the wall or they're not sure which what to do it gives them some rules to follow and then lastly leadership that leads by example they're not sitting up on the throne pointing this is what you got to do this is what you got to do they're down there they're in the trenches with you and they're putting in that work and truthfully i can say it has been an absolute honor and a privilege to see what i've seen with liquid ivy in the last 10 11 almost 12 months uh and this this experience is priceless liquid IV will become a brand that if I ever have kids someday, I will be able to say that I was part of this team before there were 30 employees. And when it becomes a worldwide brand, um, it just it's gonna be incredible. It's just the, the, the experience is just absolutely priceless, absolutely priceless. And lastly, I will say this, a couple things about characteristics of a billion dollar CEO from what I've seen from Brandon Cohen. Uh, five things, I've seen a lot more, but I will just say these five. He's absolutely relentless. He is authentic in what you see and what he presents to the world. When he says he wants to change the world by donating product and helping people, he means it. I've seen it. I've heard it in his voice, and I know it's a fact. He's very empathetic, cares about his team more than anything. Uh, there was a moment back, and once again, actually, in February when I was talking about it earlier and I had that breakdown moment. That following week when I got back into the office, there was a Friday night right before I was leaving. He called me into his office and he pretty much pepped me up. He was he was firing me up and he was just kind of saying how he was once in my shoes of what I was going through and here's the steps that he took to get out of it and you know it's just going to take time and uh it meant a lot because as somebody that is so focused on building his mission and his passion, his baby to then take the time to really get on a ground level with me and spend that time talking about something that doesn't necessarily impact the business which I guess I could argue it does because like I was saying, you want your employees to be comfortable and safe and feel great. Not great. You want you just want your employees to feel good so when they're doing the work, they're doing the best of their work. And uh, I think that moment was really important and it opened my eyes to kind of what I needed to do to fix what I was going through, which is what I've been talking about on this podcast for the last couple of weeks is just balance. Balance, balance, balance. Excuse me. It's been one of the biggest things. Uh, Number four, characteristic of a billion-dollar CEO would be communicator. He's an incredible communicator. Um, He just gets it. He can feel people out, and he just he makes he's just incredible communicator. And then lastly, problem solver. Once again, uh, this pandemic 
has definitely put him and the people, the high-level executives into really tough positions on on decision-making they've had to make and things that, you know, the public might not have seen behind the scenes for company and nobody might know just like the big high level decisions that any CEO and founder has to make alongside their executive assist, uh, executive, excuse me. Um, and so I think to just see how liquid IV has navigated these last six months has been incredible. And it, it just has showed me so much, um, it's been, yeah, it's just been an honor to be part of it. So I hope this provided some insight as to what I believe are some of the main characteristics of building a billion dollar brand. It's not easy. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes a certain type of person to do it. But do I think we all have it inside us? I think so. I think when it comes to business, sports and stuff like that, it's you have to have certain characteristics and traits about yourself. And if you're not tall enough or your arms aren't long enough, then maybe you won't be able to execute in that specific sport. But I think when it comes to business, everyone's on a level playing field. And one important thing that I've learned is that find the things that you're really strong at, bet on those strengths, and find people that are strength, their strengths are your weaknesses. And that's what I've seen at Liquid IV. And Brandon, from the top down, will be the first to tell you, I love, you know, I think there was a clip that we, of a podcast he did one time where he was talking about how he loves, well, it was talking about the process of growing, you know, getting the company so much bigger and then not touching certain things within the business. But, uh, he kind of talked how he loved now being at a point where when he takes his meetings within his internal teams, he enjoys sitting down with these experts in these areas. And now they're telling, they are, they are teaching him, about things that are happening within that individual part of the business. So I think that was really cool and something insightful to hear. So yeah, that's it. Billion dollar brand, Liquid IV, probably a trillion dollar brand at some point in our lifetimes. I'm buckled up. I'm on the rocket ship. I'm not steering this thing, but you better believe I'm sitting in the back seat with my hands in the air, freaking dancing, going crazy. If you guys and gals enjoyed this podcast, all that I ask is please, please, please screenshot this episode, post it to your Instagram story, tag me at Bob A, B-O, three B's, four A's, and a Y. It is absolutely crucial for us to grow this podcast from the ground up organically. We're not pumping ads behind us. We're not doing anything but building it by the word of mouth. So please take the time right now, screenshot it, post it to your IG story, tag me at Bob A, B-O, three B's, four A's, and a Y. I don't care if you're somebody that does it every week or you're the homie and you're like, I don't want to like, I don't want to like ride my homie and post it all the time. Do it. It helps so much and I appreciate it. And it's just plus brownie points. If I see you always sharing it out, I'm like, yeah, my boy, he's helping me out. Or maybe that's my girl. She helping me out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I hope you guys and gals have a great rest of your day, morning, night, whatever you're doing. If you're jogging, working on a project, doing your laundry, cooking up food, maybe about to record your own podcast. I don't know what you're doing, but whatever it is that you're doing, do it great. Have a great rest of your day, night, and I will talk to you guys and gals soon enough. It's the Bearded Man signing off. See ya!